Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody. Uh, really admire you guys for coming in here, braving the elements already. I know that it's supposed to be snowing uh, later on this week. And uh, also, just good to see everybody as probably there's a bunch of sicknesses and everything going around. So I uh, pray that and hope that you guys have uh, stayed healthy and that for those who are, are sick, who may not be able to make it but are watching this, uh, pray for just a healthy, speedy recovery, quick recovery, and for uh, minimal symptoms. Well, it's a privilege to be up here preaching to you all this morning. Uh, as Jake had just read, we are in Matthew 7, and we will be in verse 12. And as I look in around this room, let me see. As I look around this room, I believe I see only uh, one person uh, who remembered me uh, when I was in high school. Uh, and I want to apologize to that one person who is in this room who remembered me when I was in high school because I was a little snot as a high schooler and even younger than that, right? Uh, and I want to start off this morning also just praising God that my wife did not know me when I was in high school, okay? Because I probably would be taken off of the compatibility list, even though God has done so much in my life up to this point. Very thankful that she did not know me when I was in high school. Uh, and I must confess, as I think about uh, who I was, not just in high school, but when I was younger, I must confess, probably like most people as they reflect on their time in high school, I was a really, really hurtful person when I was younger. Uh, there were a lot of instances, a lot of words, a lot of interactions that I would like to have back as I think about my time in high school and in middle school and when I was younger than that. Uh, multiple times where I was uh, sent to the principal's office because of how badly I was bullying someone. Uh, I made people cry with the words that I said, not considering uh, how my words would make them feel and would lead them to question whether it be their looks or their personality. I think of times when I was in high school where I started rumors about people that left a lot of hurt and put a huge stain on their reputation, even when those things were not true. I made a lot of, made a lot of pain in those moments. I made one of my teachers cry in the middle of class, and that teacher also happened to be my second cousin, for the record. I treated girls who liked me poorly. I wasn't a good friend to those who were nice to me. I, I figured out how to push certain people's buttons. I knew what would make people upset and what would get a reaction out of them, and I would push those buttons for the sake of how I, how I would respond or how they would respond, or for the sake of getting people to laugh right? I would say some really personal, awful things for responses or for reactions. And as I think, too, about my time in high school, I also think of probably one of the lowest moments where I even contributed to someone leaving public school because of how I and uh, a few other kids were bullying him with our words. When I look back at my time when I was younger, a lot of apologies that I'd like to make. And thankfully, I've had opportunities to apologize, but there are other opportunities where I will never have to apologize or will never be able to. And that stings a little bit as I think about that. A lot of regrets of how I treated people as a kid. And while I can sit up here today and while I can praise God for redeeming my life in so many different ways and how I do treat people today, I do confess and acknowledge that there is still pain and remorse when I think about the times when I was younger and how I did treat people. And as I think about my time from kindergarten to high school, while all of this was going on, I remember seeing a poster on the walls of a few of my classrooms. And on the poster, it would say, 
treat people the way you want to be treated. And again, I was just a punk, so I would just look at that poster and be like, okay, that's what losers think, right? Like, that was kind of how my mindset was when it comes to reading posters like that. I thought it was just some sappy, mushy-gushy rule that was just way too idealistic. Like, I was bullied as a kid, so I thought, yeah, that's not true at all, right? So I just thought, yeah, no one's going to do that. So I would look at that poster and then just kind of go about doing what I would normally do. But when I was a young Christian, maybe around my senior year in high school or a little bit into college, I came across that same saying that I saw on a classroom poster, though it wasn't in a classroom. And it wasn't being taught by my seventh grade teacher or my eighth grade teacher or my ninth grade teacher. It was in my Bible. And I realized that it was not being taught by some philosopher. It was being taught by Jesus, the Son of God who came to die for my sins and to bring me into his kingdom as one of God's children. And this was mind-blowing to me because then I began to understand that this teaching, which is known as the golden rule, wasn't just some uh, made-up rule or a code of conduct by some school teacher that was made up. This teaching is from the Word of God. And that this is being taught by the living word of God, Jesus Christ. And that this wasn't just something taught to have people behave better in a classroom. But that this is a way that Jesus summarizes all of the Christian life. And as Jake said earlier, the golden rule is something that many of us are familiar with. And there's no subliminal or deeper of a meaning of this passage than what we read here this morning. We'll talk about the different details of the verse, and we'll talk more about the meaning of it. But when it comes to the meaning, you read it, the reality is the meaning of this text is as clear as day. But while it is clear for us to read and for us to understand this, whether we are in high school, maybe whether we're younger or whether we're older, I think all of us can perhaps realize that following this rule faithfully can be a challenge for us. And so I pray that this morning we may be able to assess where we are individually in following this, and then that we may be reminded of what fuels us and what enables us, what empowers us to be able to follow this rule more faithfully and to follow this rule to the glory of God. Well, again, it's one verse, so let's read this verse one more time, and then we will walk through it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Well, as we walk through this, I would like to propose three questions this morning for us to think about. And the first question that I would like for us to think about this morning is, how do you desire to be treated? How do you desire to be treated? As Jesus presents this golden rule, notice what he begins with. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you. When Jesus teaches about how we are to treat someone, 
he invites us first to consider how we personally want to be treated. And I find that fascinating because if you're like me, when there are moments when I fail to treat someone well and with love, in those moments, I don't think about how I would want to be treated if I were in their, the other person's shoes. In those moments where I treat someone poorly, I do think about me, but I think about me in how I want to get something off my chest. Or I think about me and how I want to get back at someone for what they did to me. Or I think about how many laughs I might get if I make this joke towards someone in front of a group of people. So I think about me when I treat someone poorly, but I don't think about how I would want to be treated if I were them. Whatever you wish others would do to you. Jesus says that treating someone in a lot of ways will start with considering how you personally want to be treated. So how do you desire to be treated? Let me just get a show of hands this morning. Anyone in here desired to be treated horribly? Right, just having your worth just completely questioned with just people and how they talk to you and how they treat you. Anyone in here is just like, yeah, sign me up for being treated horribly, right? No hands, okay? That's a great start, right? That's awesome. It's interesting. We'll see how the golden rule connects with the Old Testament law here in a little bit. But when studying this passage, you'll see that this golden rule was in some way taught by rabbis before Jesus' ministry. But it was taught in a different way. It was, in fact, taught in its negative form. So rabbis would, would teach this to people, saying this would sound like, whatever is hateful to you, do not do that to others. Or whatever what is unkind to you, do not be unkind in that way. And so if you have been with us on Sunday mornings as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, you've seen how Jesus would take how the Pharisees and the rabbis teach the Old Testament, and how Jesus would raise the standard of their teachings. And he wouldn't raise the standard in an unrealistic way, but he would raise it in the way that God has intended for his word to be taught and for his word to be followed. And as the rabbis of this time would teach the golden rule in its negative form, what we see in this passage is that Jesus raises the bar of the golden rule by teaching it, not in its negative form, but in its positive form, where Jesus says, don't just consider how you don't want to be treated. Consider how you want to be treated. Don't stop in just not being unloving to someone, but make every effort to love them. Don't stop in just being unselfish in treating someone. Strive to do selfless acts towards someone. And that's so huge for us to understand because if we're honest, it's not just that we don't want to be treated poorly, it's that we also want to be treated well. We want to be treated with kindness and respect as image bearers of God. We want to be treated with patience instead of being given a short leash. We want to be welcomed wherever we go instead of being cast out or instead of having it in any way communicated that we may not belong where we are. We don't want to be made fun of for things that either we can't help or things that we can help. We don't want to be taken advantage of, but we want to be helped and we want to be protected. When something needs to be addressed, we don't want to be talked about. We want to be talked to. 
when we go off the path. We want to be corrected, not in harshness, but we want to be corrected in a loving truth. We want people to know what is really personal and what is sensitive to us. And we want people to respect us and to not make fun of us for those things. We want to be treated with compassion. We want to be treated with understanding. We want to be given the benefit of the doubt and not have people judge our motives or try and figure out our intentions whenever we make a decision. We want to be given grace when we mess up. Not just when we mess up once, but when we mess up again and again and again. We want to be listened to. We want to be asked questions. We want to be prayed for. We want to be encouraged when we're doing well. We want to be loved. And for the most part, we all want to be treated in this way. But I think it's also important to note there are probably times and instances where how we want to be treated isn't exactly the best thing for us. So perhaps when I ask, how do you desire to be treated, perhaps your answer this morning is, I desire to be left alone by people. I would rather just mind my own business. I would rather not have anyone speak into my life where I'm held accountable to anything that I do. And I would just prefer that I and everyone around me would just stay in their lanes and live their own life and let me live mine. Maybe that's you this morning. And let me just say, while Jesus is teaching to consider how we want to be treated, he is teaching us to consider that in light of how God has created us as his image bearers. The truth is, we as humans are not created to live in isolation. We were made for community. We were made to do life together. And especially as followers of Jesus, while accountability and while doing life with other sinners saved by grace is messy and it can be weird and it can be uncomfortable at times, it is in God's good design and it is by his grace that he has put us in life with other people. Wanting to be left alone so that you can sin and not have anyone shine light on it is ultimately how you should not want to be treated. If this is from the law and the prophets, as Jesus teaches, how we want to be treated should be based off of God's word and not on our sinful preferences. So we have to evaluate how we want to be treated and align that with how God's word teaches it. How do you and how does God desire for you to be treated? So as we think of that question, the second question then as we consider that is, how do you treat others? How do you treat others? After Jesus invites us to consider how we desire to be treated, he then says, do also to them. So while the answers to the first question this morning may come pretty easy for us, the answers to this question will require a lot of humility and really an honest look at yourself and your actions. And even as you do your best at that, as you consider all the aspects of your life, every arena of your life, 
as you do your best at trying to find the answers to how do you treat others, can I just say you're probably not going to find all of the right answers. You may find answers, but they may not be the right answers. So I would say as a response to that, as you consider this question, it doesn't just require a look at yourself. It also may require having to ask the people around you how you treat them. Because without that, you might think, well, of course I treat people well. And I'm not perfect at this, but I do treat people for the most part the way I want to be treated. Yeah, sure, I'm not perfect at this, but I'm not terrible at this. And we may think that, but the fear is that the people around you might think very differently. Whether that's your spouse, or your family, or your friends, or your community group, or your coworkers, or your classmates. And asking a question, how do you, I treat others? As you ask that to somebody else, they may think, actually, you kind of tear me down sometimes whenever we have a conversation. Or you don't really listen to me that well. Or maybe whenever I have an idea, you instantly shoot it down instead of letting me give you my reasons. When you're stressed, you say a lot of sharp things to me. You take your stress out on me, even though it's not related to me. You don't really seem to consider anyone else's perspectives. And asking the people around you a question like this, can I just say maybe intimidating at first? But this is a really serious question to consider for us. Because the reality is, how we treat others is a reflection of how we view them. And it's not just a reflection of how we view them. How we treat others is also a reflection of how we view God. After Jesus says this golden rule, he then says, for this is the law and the prophets. Meaning this isn't just some teaching. This teaching is how Jesus summarizes God's word and the command of how to love your neighbor. When he says in Matthew 7, 12, for this is the law and the prophets, he is saying that loving your neighbor and the commands that come with it are all summarized by what he just said. Do to others what you wish they would do to you. So then I would like for us to consider that question this morning. How do you treat others? How do you treat the server at the restaurant that accidentally got your order wrong? How do you treat the employee at the return line at Target? Or the employee working for your cell phone provider? How do you treat people when you're driving? And someone's riding your tail or someone cuts you off. How do you treat your coworkers? Do you get along with them? Do you work well with them? Do you disagree well with them? Not dismissing their ideas or letting yourself become totally frustrated with them. Do you throw them under the bus or stab them in the back for the sake of a promotion or making yourself look better than them? Do you help them when they're in need? How do you treat the place you work? Do you come to work on time? Do you put the work in when you're there? 
Or do you waste company time and not serve well the place that provides you and that provides for your family? If you're a boss or if you're a manager, how do you treat your employees? Are you looking for something to get mad at them for? Do you belittle them rather than coach them on how to do a better job? Do you give them grace when they mess up once? Do they walk on eggshells around you because they don't know how you're going to treat them on a daily basis? Do you give preferential treatment to some but then mistreat others? Would people consider you to be approachable? Do you encourage your employees when they do a good job? Do you run your company in a moral way, managing the funds properly and in a God-honoring fashion? How do you treat your classmates? Do you treat the ones you don't get along with as much similarly to the ones that you do? Do you look down on someone for what they wear or what they say or what political party they're for or against? or for what religion or lack of they believe in, or for another way they identify themselves? Do you treat them less like a person because of those things? How do you treat your community group and other fellow church members and pastors? Are you a source of loving truth or a source of hypercritical judgment? Do you always have an issue with someone or have an issue with how things are being led, and you approach them in a mistreating way? Are people encouraged in the Lord by you when you walk into the room? Do you give mercy to the ones who need it? How do you treat your family? When you come home and your husband still hasn't taken out the trash, or when your wife hasn't done the dishes like she said she was going to, how do you treat them? Do you express your frustration with them? Or do you put yourself in their shoes, realizing that they've got a lot going on? Maybe they had a really hard day at work and they're overwhelmed and they seem to just need a little bit of grace in this moment. When you disagree, do you see and do you acknowledge and confess your faults? Or do you only focus on theirs? And do you even maybe make the argument more personal than it should be. Parents, how do you treat your children? Do you correct them lovingly and truthfully? Are you a source of peace and of safety to them? When they're having struggles, do they feel like they can come to you because of how well you treat them? Do you only talk to them about the bad grades or do you also celebrate them and their good grades and their achievements? Do you cripple them with unrealistic expectations? Are you patient with them even when they love to test that patience? Kids, how do you treat your parents? When they ask you to feed the dog, because I know that you are part of a real, really solid, godly family who has dogs and not cats. When they ask you to feed the dog, just kidding. When they ask you to feed the dog, or clean your room? Do you do it? Or do you scoff at them and disobey them? When they ask you to turn the game off, do you ignore them? 
or do you keep playing and then you turn it off after the fifth request? Do you listen to them and take their wisdom and take their guidance? Because I can promise you now, if you don't, the older you will get, you will apologize for how you refuse to listen to them and how right they were all along. <laughs> how do you treat the unbeliever that's around you? Are you kind to them? Do you pray for them? Do you ask for the Lord to open doors for gospel conversations? And if you don't know exactly how to treat an unbeliever, remember, remember when you didn't know Jesus. And remember how other followers of Jesus welcomed you and loved you and spoke truth to you. How do you treat others? And listen, have we all failed at some point in these areas that apply to us? Yes, absolutely. But when you fail to treat others lovingly and kindly, do you see that? Do you repent of it? And do you make every effort to do better in leaning on God's spirit to do better the next time? Do you confess that to God? Do you admit your failure to the one that you treated poorly? Or do you just hurt someone with your actions or your words and then just move on without any sort of remorse? That is a huge problem. Because here's a huge implication with that. Our love for God and our love for his word and our love for people is reflected by how we treat others. And I must say before we move on, this place, this building, this campus must not be a place where people are treated poorly. Whether it's believers in Jesus or non-believers that walk through these doors, this church should be a place and a people where everyone is treated the way we want to be treated and the way that God wants them to be treated. Doesn't mean we agree with everything they believe. It doesn't mean we don't call what is sin, sin. But it does mean that we are not a place where image bearers of God are treated like they're not. And the purpose of that is to reflect our Savior Jesus. And the purpose of that is to open the door to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them if they are a non-believer. And by the way, if you are a follower of Jesus, that call is not restricted to just this place from 9.15 to 11.45 on Sunday mornings. This call is for your life, wherever you are, and with whomever you are with. This call is for your home. It's for your workplace. It's for your classrooms. It's for the basketball court. It's for the gym. This call is for your, your family, your coworkers, your classmates, and whoever else you are doing life with. And how do we know that? For this is the law and the prophets. This is the Christian life we are called to in Jesus. How do you desire to be treated? And how do you treat others? And as we have asked these first two questions this morning, if you are like me, you can't help but think of all the interactions where you have failed at this. Not just when you were younger, but definitely still now. 
The Lord has certainly redeemed my life in many ways, but I would be lying to myself if I said that I don't fail to treat others the way that they ought to be treated. And just like the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, you see this command, you see the expectations that Jesus raises and gives, and you keep coming to the realization that you fall short of them. And when you see how you fail to treat others well, and this may not be coming from a bad place, but the normal response to that is that on your own, you strive to do better. That you tell yourself, I'm not going to lash out at people anymore. I'm not going to ignore people if they need something. I'm going to help people when they need it. I'm going to encourage people more with my words than to be hurtful. And I don't know about you, but for me, trying harder doesn't really make things better, at least not long term, because at some point your own effort just begins to sort of wear down and your sinful heart just gets exposed for what it is. We studied Romans last year, and Paul said it in, one of the, in that one of the purposes of God's law was to expose our sinful heart. And that because we are sinful in our natures, we cannot follow God's law perfectly. And therefore, we can't be justified by it. And as this golden rule here summarizes all of the Old Testament teaching on how to love our neighbors, we may come to grips this morning seeing and are reminded of how we fall short of following God's law. So how do we follow it in the way that we should? It's not like Jesus is teaching, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this, is also, for this is the law and the prophets. But you can't really do this perfectly, so there's really no point in even trying. Jesus isn't teaching that. He's calling us to do this. We're supposed to follow this. This is the life of a follower of Jesus. So if we are called to this, how do we follow this better? How do we follow this better? What enables us to follow the golden rule more faithfully? And what enables us, what brings us to a place where we follow this, not going against our hearts, but we follow this out of the overflow of our hearts? How are we able to follow this golden rule for others from the inside out? And that goes into our final question this morning, and that is, how has God treated you? How has God treated you? The motivation of treating others the way we ought to be treated is not to receive the same treatment in return. It's not. That makes how you obey this law conditional. And that makes how you respond to someone treating you poorly, it justifies you retaliating. That's not the motivation. You've probably experienced this when you've been nice to someone and you've treated them well. And while you might think they'll treat you the same in return, they instead treat you poorly. That's not the primary motivation for us. We can hope that's the same treatment we'll receive in return, but that's not the primary motivation. The motivation and the foundation of treating others how we desire to be treated is considering how good and how gracious God has treated us in Jesus. Jesus teaches that this golden rule summarizes the law and the prophets. But what we see in Matthew 5, 17, 
is that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets for us. That we were guilty of failing to love God and failing to love our neighbor. And Jesus came down here to perfectly obey that. And not only that, but he came down to die for the sin and to die for the guilt that we have committed against God. So think about all the ways you have failed to love people and to treat them the way God wants you to. Think of all of the interactions. Those are sins before God, and you will be held accountable for those sins. But instead of being hopeless in that, God sent his son Jesus to take those sins and to take that punishment that you were destined to face. And so that if you believe in Jesus and you give your life to him, you'll be forgiven for those sins. And you will live forever with God as one of his son or daughter. And that's not by any of your doing, but it's by his love and it's by his grace alone over you. And so as you behold Jesus, and as you see how so kind God has been to you, you are further able to follow the golden rule in your life not because you might be treated well in return, but because how you have already been treated by God. There's one word of this verse that we haven't talked about yet, and it's a simple little word that actually brings this point home further, and it's the very first word of this verse. So. It could also be therefore. As Jesus teaches the golden rule, he is connecting what he just taught in the passage before. Read what he says in verse 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What is the best thing that God has ever given to us, even when we didn't deserve it? What's the best thing that God has ever given to us, even when we didn't ask for it? He gave us his son, Jesus to die for our sins, and then to bring us home into his kingdom. Romans 5.10 says that even when we were enemies of God, he reconciled us to him through the death of his son. Psalm 103 verse 10 says that God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he repaid us according to our iniquities. So how has God treated you? The answer to that this morning is eternally better than you'll ever deserve. And as you follow Jesus, and as you consider his love, and as you consider his kindness over you, that is what will lead you to follow this rule. And that is what will enable you to love and to treat everyone the way you are called to. And it's not going to be perfect. We'll still fall short. But when we fall short, we still lean on his mercy to treat people the way we ought to be treated. As I said earlier, when we talk about treating others and we think about how we desire to be treated, I said before that we usually think about ourselves. And sometimes, as Jesus teaches here, we should consider how we desire to be treated before we treat others well. But I think 
as we see here, it's also important foundationally to be reminded of how gracious and how good God has treated us as we treat other people. And often in so many different ways, whether it be through just the busyness of life, whether it be just different distractions of life, whether it be just the normal flows of it, oftentimes we forget to remind ourselves of what God has done for us. And so I encourage all of us this morning, I read this in my devotion this morning, Alistair Begg says, do not forget to remember how good God has been to you. And let that be what drives us and what leads us to treat the way people ought to be treated. And I got to say this morning, as we think about that second question, how do you treat others? I don't know about you. Maybe that leads to really uncomfortable lunches after church. Maybe that leads to bringing that up, whether it be at lunch. Maybe it's the office place. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's at your next community group. There may be some uncomfortable conversations and uncomfortable truths that may be brought to you. And so if you're going to ask that question, I encourage you to prepare for honest answers. And if you're going to give honest answers, I encourage you to think about how you would want to receive that. Give them grace as you're speaking that truth. And all of this is so that we may treat others better and so that we may open the door for people to come to Jesus and to see how kind God has been. And so if you are here this morning and you would not claim to be a Christian, first of all, we are so thankful that you're here with us. And I pray that whether this is your first Sunday with us or not, I pray and I hope that you have been treated well here and as a human being created in the image of God. And I pray that as you experience that, that you know that we follow a king who has been so kind to us and is still kind to us as he intercedes for us every single day and his mercies are new for us every single morning. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for how kind you have been to us and how kind you constantly are to us. I love what your word says in Lamentations. Your mercies are new every single morning. They never end. And so, Lord, I pray that as we consider the mercy and the love that you have given to us, I pray, Lord, that that leads us to give mercy and to give kindness to the people around us. That we don't try and do this on our own, that we don't try and do this with the motive of expecting something in return, but we do this because we've already been given the most precious thing that we can be given, and that is eternal life through your son, Jesus. I pray that this may be a church and this may be a people, that whether we are in church whether we are at work, whether we are at home with our families, whether we're in the classrooms, wherever we may be, I pray that we are a people who are characterized by a godly kindness and a godly love and a godly treatment. Because in a lot of ways, Lord, you have spoiled us. We do not deserve any love and mercy that you've given to us. And we would be wrong just to hold that kindness just with a, with a closed hand 
and to not express that and to give that to other people. And so, Lord, I pray that we do not try and smuggle the mercy and the love that you give to us, but that we share it with other people and how we treat them. Lord, we love you, but we just thank you that you have loved us so much better and so much more. Let your love for us, inside of us, fuel us and guide us in how we love and how we treat others. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name.